0: Hello and welcome to the Amplifying Scientific Innovation video podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Oye, founder and CEO of the Sophia Consulting Firm, a WeBank-certified life science marketing and communications consultancy that was established in New York City with the goal of amplifying scientific innovation. The goal of this podcast is to showcase the importance of science advocacy, health equity, and influential leadership through conversations with senior life science leaders who will share their unique perspectives on their leadership journey, corporate vision, and industry outlook. My guest today is Ms. Wendy Lund, Chief Communications Officer at Organon, a global healthcare company from through a spin-up from Merck, which is known as MSD, outside of the US and Canada, with a mission to deliver impactful medicines and solutions for a healthier every day. I was connected to Wendy through the impactful Merck Female Leader Network, notably Carmen Villa, the VP of Social Business Innovation, who is also a guest on this season of the podcast, and Carmen also connected with Jan Nissen, who is the VP of Patient Innovation and Engagement at Merck. Long story short, it's a small world after all, and it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show, Wendy.
1: Thank you, thank you. I know uh, it's the beginning of the year and I'm, I'm excited to be here. And yes, you reeled off some of these names. And I'm, I'm, it's great how we all sort of come together in one way or in another. It's a, just a it's a tight network. Yes, absolutely. And as we think about
0: Women's History Month, obviously that's when we're going to be airing this episode. It's so important to see women supporting other women within and outside market says a lot about the organization. So thank you for gracing us with your presence today. So. Are you ready for my
1: first question? I am. And I have to just say quickly that I love that you're going to be doing this during Women's uh, aware, uh, History Month because I have a master's in history. So it's very, very near and dear to my heart. But today, yes, I know we're going to talk about scientific innovation, which is another area that's critically important, especially as it relates to women.
0: Absolutely. And, and just to correct you for a little bit, you have not just a master's, but you also have a bachelor's degree that is focused on women's history. So if anybody knows one or two things about women's history, it will be you, Wendy. So I'm, again, I'm super excited to speak with you today. So we're going to get started with question number one, which is what is your definition of scientific innovation?
1: Okay, well, before we get into the innovation piece, which is critically important, I thought it might be helpful to take a little bit of a step back on Organon and who we are and how we are different and, the, and the, who we're serving. So, you know, Organon really isn't that kind of traditional pharmaceutical company that we think, what we think of. We really think of ourselves as somewhat of a unicorn as the only global company of our size that's entirely dedicated to women and their health with a presence in over 140 markets. So we're serving women all over the world. And you know, as you know, women are a highly underserved market. Even though we're 51% of the global population, we lack the health products and solutions for real healthcare needs. And we're relentlessly working, you know, day and night to really right this inequity, and not just for this moment, for the long term, because we really want to see a generational impact on a global scale. So, with that said, you know, Organon was literally born out of this unwavering commitment. To drive innovation in women's health after generations and generations of neglect i mean what kind of keeps me up at night is that you know we talk about these conditions and areas of neglect that i've been around a while and we were talking about these things 20 years ago you know things like menopause endometriosis (laughs) menstrual issues so you know i see such hope in what we're going to focus on in terms of being such a highly focused company with a clear goal for r and to create that better and healthier every day for every woman, which is our vision. And so one of the things I just want to say about that is that innovation, I've thought a lot about this, is that innovation, you know, when people think about that today in the life sciences industry, they think about these incredible innovations we've had in rare disease and cancer and neuroscience. But when we think about it in women's health, it can be very different than innovation in these other health categories. Because... You know, everyday women are really looking for everyday solutions and everyday innovation can be encapsulated in that and apply to these health issues. For instance, innovation for a woman who is dealing with period pain where nothing has worked, this can make all the difference in the world. Like small innovations can go a long way. And the innovations that we're pursuing could be emerging science, it could be a device, it could be a diagnostic, it could be a therapeutic. We're completely agnostic around this. We're really just trying to find those long-term solutions to her real health problems. Well,
0: wow. I mean, I don't know if I should clap at this point, but uh, I'm clapping. I think that that's a very comprehensive innov- uh, de- definition of scientific innovation. But what I love is that that focus that you have on women's health. You know, women's health, what was it? Uh, Hillary Clinton famously said that women's rights are human rights, right? So I think right. to have this company that is singularly focused on in women's health with a what a budget, what, what's the market cap for on Over $7 billion, so that mm-hmm. shows that the resources are there to really make that type of impact that we're looking for when we think about innovative women's health so thank you for sharing that
1: thank you thank you a healthy woman is a healthy world
0: uh, exactly exactly very well said once again so as i alluded to earlier both your bachelor's and master's degrees focused on, on women's history. And now you're the chief communications officer of a leading women's health company. Can you tell us more about how you recognize that, that interest in, in women's history and women's health? What was it that made you so eager to do this from the start, pretty much?
1: So I'm not even sure where it all started. Well, I kind of do. Um, just a little bit of a tweak. So my bachelor's actually had a heavy focus in history. Mm. But it was actually in women's studies and history. So it kind of brought a larger, broader view of women's studies in the earlier days of women's studies, where you kind of focused on everything in women's rights, basically. And history, 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 that was a big, big part of my life. Mm. Um, So initially, you know, of course, I wanted to be a professor. That was my dream. I still think about it here and there. And then somewhere down the road, I just kept working because I put myself through grad school and I just kept working and You know, I ended up landing this wonderful, wonderful job at Planned Parenthood where I was VP and head of marketing. And that's where I really began to truly value the power of communications because obviously not only, you know, lots of intake, but lots of, you know, pushing out as well in terms of the messages that we need to push out, the different innovations I got to work on there and just the general day-to-day communications efforts that we did and really saw the value of this um, against the backdrop of all the different areas that I could focus on and embraced it wholeheartedly to embrace all the facets and innovations that come along with communications. I think sometimes people don't realize how innovative the communications field is and all the different areas like as we look around corners more than other areas might where we can solve problems and really focus on you know how to grow. So through it all, you know I've been incredibly inspired and passionate about women when I started that work at Planned Parenthood and even before that and their health you know this was something that really you know drove me it was my huge passion so all roads really led me to this part of my career to join the Oregon on team which is an amazing amazing team and it's given me an incredible opportunity to create and drive a platform where women can finally express their real health needs and just to empower women everywhere to become their own best advocates for health and wellness
0: Oh, wow. I mean, I love the continuity in your story, in your journey, and in your passion. And I think it ties into the exemplary work that you're doing at Argonon. And speaking of Argonon, uh, we have a couple of other guests this season that are focused on women's health. So the chief medical officer of Obseva, the chief executive officer of Dire, and everyone always mentions Argonon. So now I'm curious how oh. you could <laughs> provide us with a top line update on ongoing work at Argonon.
1: Thank you. And thank you for saying that. We have done quite a bit in just, I think it's seven months now. We, we launched on June 3rd, 2021. Uh, obviously an interesting and you know unique environment in that we launched in the middle of COVID and coming up with unique and creative ways to do that and showcase what we were going to do in terms of our vision, uh, better and healthier every day for every woman. And, you know, in the first six months, we've just done so much. Um, we closed three business deals on four critical assets that will either have immediate impact for women like Jada for postpartum hemorrhage or exciting potential in diseases and conditions like preterm labor, endometriosis, PCOS. So, you know, we're really moving and grooving in the first few months of, of being a company. Um, we also leading into just launching the company, we did a lot of research and most of this was very different than what other companies did because we really wanted to understand what all our key stakeholders wanted from us as a company, including women. You know, when we looked at and we talked to women around the world, we talked to media, we talked to policymakers, we talked to cus- potential customers and wanted to basically get a sense of what are the most urgent needs and asks in the world today. And what we found was that women shared that they did all this talking, they were really, really exhausted coming out of COVID, or I guess we're still in COVID, but sort of where we were at that time a year ago. And they did a lot of talking, but no one was really listening. And at that point, we kind of took a step back and we said, you know what? We don't wanna be like the traditional company that sits there, talk, 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 talk. Mm. We need to stop, we need to listen, we need to learn, we need to mm. lead. And our goal is now to lead women and all those around her into a new future, you know, one with that better and healthier every day. And you know, some of the needs we heard and I'm sure you could relate to this, some of their needs were expected and some of them were pretty surprising. For instance, we heard that women disproportionately were attaching their reproductive health to their mental health.
0: Oh, Meaning wow.
1: when they think about wow. their menopause, being in menopause, when they're you know, menstruating, when they're dealing with certain diseases and conditions around their reproductive uh, systems and, and life stages. So that was really eye-opening for us. And we saw that there's a real opportunity for us to engage We also heard women talk a lot, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about this over the past few months, deep unmet needs in menopause. We heard a lot about conditions like endometriosis that affect all women. So, you know, while we're now doubling down as we go into 22 on action and how we provide solutions, we will never stop listening. That has been a big, big mantra for our entire company. And people talk about it all the time, both internally and externally, because that's really become what's core to who we are and the stand we're taking for her. And now we're in that stage where we're just going to you know, continue to listen. And as, as I mentioned, just double down on those solutions.
0: I love that. You listen to learn, right? You don't assume that you know what women need or what they think or what they want, right? And, and you mentioned it, endometriosis. And just for an example, I believe the number is roughly one in 10 women suffer from endometriosis. So it's really important to amplify those voices. And that's why I appreciate your presence on the podcast today. So my next question to you is something you mentioned earlier when you were defining scientific innovation, right? You mentioned that women make up well, roughly a little more than half of the population. And in addition to that, we only have what 4% of R&D investment dollars going into women's health. And women also make 80% of the household healthcare decisions. So why do you think that women's health is underfunded and what can we do collectively? What have you learned in the past seven months or so that can help to build investor confidence?
1: I think what we've learned the most, you know, speaks to your point which is the, the needs out there are long term and they're, they're, there's a long list. So we're going to need to really be mindful about how we pick and choose and we you know, we look at how we build our business around this, how we educate around this and how we advocate around this. And so, you know, we know and I've been in this doing this a long long time that, you know, for decades very few companies have dedicated full resources to innovation in women's health. It's sort of like the words don't even really go together when you think about them. And the result is that today women have the same old solutions or none at all for conditions ranging from, you know, period pain, menopause to menopause and beyond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these unmet needs are like enormous. And one of the things we've talked about is that if you look at the facts, they're pretty outrageous, you know, in terms of the facts around, um, unprotected, you know, un, 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 um, unplanned pregnancy, fertility issues, menopause. I mean, the list goes. Endometriosis, as you just mentioned, the list goes on and on and on. The numbers are just outrageous. So you also pointed out that it's a very paltry amount of money and R and D investment uh, in 2021. Four percent, four percent for 51 percent of the population. And on top of that, the FDA approved 61 products last year, right in the middle of everything going on and only four of those. So that's 7% directly at trust women's health. And previous years were just as disappointing. So something's got to give. Yep. And that's why we're so passionate about, you know, our commitment to be here for her health. That's our tagline here for her health. And we're really looking at her, not us and see that opportunity for us to advance the health of women and build the successful sustainable company in a market that's projected to hit 60 billion in 20, by 2027. So if this dizzying number doesn't build investor confidence, I, I don't know what can. Yep. Um, but finally, we're really starting to see some really exciting opportunities bubbling up, especially amongst small to mid-sized companies. And it's just great because like, not only are these great inventions and novel ways of thinking there, but it's also the excitement and commitment they have to join hands. And right now we're tracking, you know, over a hundred therapies under development. And our goal is to identify and add value to the ventures with the most promising solution. So exciting times to come. And we're really looking forward to where we can take this.
0: Extremely well said. I think uh, what I get excited about, about here for our health is that we are all patients at every single stage in our career, in, in our, in our, patient Johnny, in our life Johnny, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, right? You can be a patient, you can be a caregiver. So I think it's very important to really showcase the importance of the heart, right? It's all of us, see, and we are here for our health. So thank you for sharing that. Now, I imagine you've had a few mentors over the years. Are there any, maybe two or three that stand out just based on how much they've supported you to become the great leader that you are today?
1: Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, I think we can never have enough mentors and it doesn't mean when you get to a certain age that you should stop having mentors. I think that's been my big aha uh, making this big switch over from agency world to um, the in-house world and you know my my entire career has really been driven by inspiring supportive and empathetic people at various points in my life and you know um, right now, case in point, you know I do have a couple of advisors, I guess I would call them, that have been incredibly helpful in making this transition and incredibly understanding that it's, you know, a very different world that I've kind of come into. And, uh, but I have to say my first real mentor was this woman, Pamela Moraldo, that many people in the women's health space probably know of and have heard of. And she she had a great influence on me. I still think about her and talk about her to this day with many of my old colleagues and friends. I was 23 when I started to work for her. Uh, she was a CEO. She had worked very, very, very hard to get to that position in life. We're talking, you know, in the 90s where women weren't just dropped into CEO positions, not that they are now. And one of the things about her that I always relished was, you know, she taught me to think big. She challenged me. She always challenged the status quo. She always made me start with a strategy. And I'll never forget, I mean, I think I was like maybe 23, 24. And I came in with a big idea and I was really excited about it. And she said, well, what's the strategy? And I said, hmm, yeah, you know, I was, I had a master's in history. What's it? I'm <laughs> not sure I even <laughs> really know what that is? So I called up my father and I said, dad, dad, what's the strategy? Because My father had a high <laughs> level job uh, with a retail chain. And he said, and he, you know, he explained it to me. And then I read a few different books because I've always been self-educating. And I went back and I said, okay, Pam, I think I know what a strategy is now. And so every time after that, she always said to me, don't ever come back in this office without a strategy. <laughs> and her transformational and visionary focus like always stuck with me. And probably others have either benefited from it or cursed me for it. I'm not sure which, but I've always been very focused on, you know, let's not start to do anything without really focusing in on what that strategy is. Cause everything falls right beneath it and right below that. The other thing she taught me was to always be uber prepared, over-prepared, Always really buttoned up, not just because I lived in a man's world for so many years and you really had to kind of really shine and stand out, but because you always want to you know, know your stuff, right? And you always want to feel good about the work you're doing in any kind of setting. So she had a pretty huge impression on me.
0: Oh, wow. I'm inspired just listening to you. And I love your story about what is strategy. Uh, my business school class, I think we spent two or three weeks just playing with that definition. What is strategy? Because it depends on who you're speaking to. But I think it's that thoughtfulness, that deliberate intent to make an impact, which ties back to what you said earlier about care for her health. That's what Organon stands for, and I love that. Um, Now, let's get back to influential leadership. One of the things that I imagine as a female leader, and you alluded to that earlier as well, is that our unique challenges that we face, you know, I think that people sometimes will Challenge you as a leader just because you're a woman, right? So, what coping strategies have you adopted over the years to sort of manage some of these uh, unique challenges that we face as women leaders?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that question because, you know, I have a daughter and uh, she's now in law school. And I'm super, super proud of her. I say about both my children, they're better, better, much better versions of myself. So something must have gone right in there as a working parent, <laughs> a single, single, work, single working parent actually. Wow. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited for women today, younger women today, because I think the opportunities are spread out for them now and they're gonna face a lot less obstacles. Um, definitely saw a lot of obstacles, uh, especially as I moved over from the advocacy side into the agency side and really working in the pharmaceutical and life science space. And I think part of it is, you know, the ability to be heard in the space. And you, know, you can be in meetings and almost say the same thing as the person sitting next to you and, and feel like you're not really being heard or understood. And I know a lot of women in, in my specific generation have felt this over the years. Um, there's also that a lot has changed over the years, but you know, women are still passed over for promotions and higher salaries and jobs that men typically do in the industry. Now I see that changing. And what's exciting for me at Organon is I see our female leadership and I see uh, opportunity, but I also see them taking on roles and jobs that maybe traditionally over the past 20 years have changed and more women (laughs) have taken on. And I would really, really love to continue to see these kind of breakthroughs happen, not just in a company like Organon, but across the entire pharmaceutical industry, especially where it's more conservative uh, companies. And I feel it coming. I feel that like women are more recognized. They are also more confident. You know, there are, there are some commercials out there that I love where women are showing their confidence and I just yeah. laugh and I, and I feel so positive and so inspired by them. I have to say, you asked about coping. So I think I've always coped by just seeing the life, mm. my life, rose colored glasses. Mm. And, you know, trying to really adopt the most ultra positive uh, attitude I can, even in the worst of circumstances. Um, always pushing myself past hurdles, always finding a way not to give up on ideas. So if it's an idea that maybe I didn't explain right, or maybe wasn't heard properly, but I know that it's the right idea, or that it's an idea that at least needs to be heard out, I find a way. And I always work with the people around me. And I hope they would agree that I want to make sure their ideas are heard too. Because sometimes ideas get shut down on because... People have other ideas they're pushing, or sometimes we're not articulating ourselves the right way. And I think women are getting better and better and better at this. I think the word that has probably been most often used when we when people describe me on all these things I just talked about is, is being relentless. Ah, okay. and I used to laugh when people said this. Um, a lot of people that I worked with on the agency side used to say this. And, you know, I just see this as I'm doing and modeling my behavior after what I have seen men do over the past, you know. 20 to 25 years in my career so i think it's a good thing.
0: But, oh, absolutely.
1: Um, I think yes. so too. Yes, and other women have been great role models to me over the years that you know have really given me the the confidence and just the push to just just keep moving. Just keep moving, keep trying.
0: No, I, I love that. I think uh, I'm truly inspired. One of the things I took away when you were speaking was around this concept of self-mastery, uh, being mindful of your thoughts and being able to channel different types of inspirations to be the best type of leader that you can be and to influence others around you and to also amplify your voices to make sure that are being heard. So again, I am really inspired by what you just shared. Now, I only have two more questions for you, though. Um, and the next one is around how we sustain
1: innovation
0: in the life science industry. What do you think are some key factors that would be important?
1: So one of the things I was impressed that you are you're doing this whole series on innovation is that you're pushing innovation into novel places and really <laughs> trying to reframe and redefine the way we talk about this because, you know this and I know this, innovation could be the most overused word in our industry, right? <laughs> yes. And, and, and I can name a few others, but I won't go down <laughs> and and a tra- jargon track right now. And, you know, it loses its meaning all the time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I think we need to keep pushing ourselves on, and I think this goes back to the last question, which is around, you know, a little bit more, you know, focusing on transformation, mm-hmm. is that you can't stop, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a one size fits all approach not all innovation is gonna be particularly groundbreaking. If we tie back to what I said in the very beginning, if we created an innovation around menstruation, not everybody's gonna wake up and say, oh my God, you cured cancer, right? Right, right. But, but for the woman and other people, you know, thinking about that, it can be motivating or you know drive a whole new way of doing things. So when I think about it, I think about novel approaches, original, and really that undeclared need that is met You know, we all talk about the fax machine. I mean, that's an old way of looking at it, but it really is that undeclared need that is met. Second, if we tie back to Organon, we really believe strongly that the best way to sustain progress for her is to put that woman, all women at the center of the innovation ecosystem. And I really wanna underscore the word all women because, you know, we're a company of many, many faces because we're so international. And so what may work here in the U.S for women may not work at all for women in South Africa. So mm-hmm. we need to really be thinking about how we create an ecosystem that's meaningful for her. And that I, I believe that in itself is really a novel innovative way of looking at things. So to do this, you know, it means that we need to keep listening to her, right? We just mm-hmm. can't shut off and say, okay, we're done. We understand we're moving on because that would, that's not really in our DNA anymore or ever. And we need to keep <laughs> working to understand her, her real health needs. And then we need to meet her where she is. And like, most importantly, we probably need to deliver solutions that give her the best, healthier everyday she deserves. Mm -hmm. So like, let's take for example, maternal health Mm -hmm. as an example, Mm -hmm. The outrageous fact here is that American women have the highest maternal death rate of all developed countries. I mean, this is just sinful, especially among women of color, which again is sinful, sinful Mm -hmm. and that black women are about three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy or delivery complications than white women. And I I know you know all this, but I think it's really important that we keep pointing things like this out because many, many people in the United States don't know this. And we need to keep pushing this fact in front of people. And others clearly haven't been listening or paying attention to these tragic deaths, but we have, and we are responded with the investment and our recent acquisition of Alidia Health and it's a prime example of, you know, creating an innovative treatment for women with abnormal postpartum bleeding that could save the lives of millions of mothers, not just in the U.S., but around the world with Organon's global reach. So, you know, we're very, very proud to be, um, you know, having that as part of our mix and working with the, J- the, the, the Alidia Health team. Well, Wendy, thank you
0: so much for that very thoughtful response. It actually brought tears to my eyes. I, you know, I was born in Nigeria, so talk about growing up in a developing country, and I think the number for Africa is 250,000 women or so die from childbirth every year. And so, and a lot of these are are Black women, and to come to the U.S. and to see that sort of continuity, even in developed world, uh, I think it makes you question yourself a little bit and to say, what can I do no matter how big, no matter how small in my own meaningful way to make an impact? And that's why I love having people like you on the show, because as you mentioned earlier, you are relentless, but you also understand the reason and the need for amplification and to ensure that women's health is really a priority all over the world. So thank you for that very thoughtful response.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I know this is a really, really important thing for you. We originally talked about this. And that's why I think, you know, when we think of ourselves, you know, I obviously have this role chief communications officer, but I actually think of myself more like a chief women's advocate, because if each of us can take on a little bit of a role of an advocate for other women and, and share those facts that are just so outrageous, we can, you know, we can make a difference if we can come up with those solutions and share those solutions. So, you know, it's in all of us. It is. It is.
0: And now, I don't know, you've been so great. I can't think of a better way to have you end the show. But I will ask you, though, do you have any other comments or thoughts that you'd like to share before we wrap today?
1: Sure, sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm really glad I got to speak about things that are so near and dear to my heart. And, you know, just the fact I think for anyone who's kind of thinking about their career as they're moving forward, um, the ability for me to wrap my greatest interest in life, which is women and doing something right for women my entire life since I'm I don't know 16 17 years old to an area that I just love to see how it's evolving on an everyday basis which is communications has just been such such a a sort of a dream for me but I never dreamed it right it all just came together and I think you know Somebody recently said to me, well, when did you discover your passion? And I'm like, I'm not sure I ever discovered it. It sort of (laughs) discovered me. (laughs) So my point is that, you know, you don't have to grow up or be in extraordinary circumstances to do something exciting and wonderful with your career and to do something to the service of other people. And there's so many different ways you can explore that. So I would just say, you know, that's sort of been my inspiration as as I've grown up in the industry. And I hope that will serve as some sort of, spark for other people who may be thinking about either making changes or living the world that they're living in and making it better for themselves or just building their career in general?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I just would like to thank you for that passion that you have. It doesn't matter when you recognize it or the origin. It just matters that it's part of your DNA. And it matters that it's you, you are relentless in your in your pursuit. You're also consistent with women's history and women's health and women's studies. It has been part of your DNA. And now you're at Organon. And I think I can honestly say that you are here for our health.
1: So thank you yeah, for yes. an engaging session today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. Have a good one. Have a work, wonderful
1: okay? 2022.
0: <laughs> you too. Take care, okay?
1: Bye. Bye.